So we're in the book of Psalms, and it's kind of gearing us up for Easter, ramping us towards uh, what is the greatest weekend in the history of the world. Have you ever thought about that? Amen. And um, we're going to celebrate on Good Friday, uh, remembering the sacrifice that Jesus made right here at 7 p.m. And uh, I hope you're around and can make it. And uh, it's really a... It's a celebration of sorts, but it's also a recognition of why Jesus had to step into the world in the first place, isn't it? You can answer. It's not rhetorical. This is class participation. But um, such an important moment in history, the crooks of history was this weekend. And it defines everything. Had Jesus not as Philippians tells us, willingly forfeited the rights of God. He, of course, was still 100% God, always in control. The Bible says he laid his life down. It was not taken from him. But because he willingly did that, uh, we can live. And uh, a lot of times we just attribute that only to eternity. But Scripture is also clear that in Him, right now, all things hold together. If it wasn't for the power of His Word, we would not be. And so there's a lot that rode on that cross when He uh, breathed His last and said, It is finished. What a declaration for you and I. And Jake touched on something important that... Uh, it is not just for us. And we talk all the time here, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You are left here, not to make a ton of money, though I pray that you do, because that will help us. All right, amen? But that's not why you're here. You're not here to make money. You're not here to just enjoy the good gifts that God's given you, though we do. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above. We believe that. We know that. But your primary role in being left here is to be his witness. And so right now, just give yourself a mental report card. How am I doing? How am I being his witness? I don't think you have to like try to be weird <laughs> to be his witness. You're already in that spot, so embrace it. Right? You believe things that the rest of the world is not going to believe. And yet, what does the Bible say in Acts chapter 1, verse 8? That you're just out there on your own being His witness? No, what does it say? That the Holy Spirit will come on you with power. How cool would it be if you just submitted to that right now, and over the next two weeks leading up to Easter, you just submitted to the Spirit's power to be His witness? And those people rolled in here with you on Easter and heard the good news of Jesus. And their lives, was changed, lives, were, lives were changed forever as a result. How awesome. That happens almost every week here. And so we implore you, beg you, not to do what God needs you to do, but what God has given you the privilege to do. Because God is sovereign. He's going to accomplish His purpose and His means and His end, whether you and I do it or not. We know that. But yet in His sovereign plan, 
He's called you and I to be a part of it. And so uh, let's take up that mantle. Let's take up that cross daily as Jesus encourages us to, knowing that we have His power. Live in the power of His Spirit. And it'll change everything. It'll change everything. It'll change your attitude at work. It'll change your attitude at home. It'll change your attitude everywhere. And uh, I'm preaching at myself right now. Okay, so let's together uh, be the body of Christ that he has called us to be. All right, whether you use the Easter cards or not, I don't know. Your relationships with people are what matters the most. Take those cards, pass them out, spread them out, give them away. But uh, most important, uh, what does the Bible say? How beautiful are the feet that bring good news. Um, so it's relationship that you're gonna that you're gonna have to build. So um, God's gonna do all 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 that He wants to. I was the guy who we hired to do these walls subcontracted a um, a drywall guy, and uh, just being in here was mesmerizing for him. I had a great conversation with him on Thursday uh, after I paid him, of course. Amen. And uh, then he was really ready to chat and. Um, you know, we were just talking, and he was, you know, first of all, amused by the building, you know, because he'd only ever been to ornate places uh, of worship, and so he was amused by that, and uh, then he said, you know, it's like the older I get, the more I just see you people, <laughs> I always love that, you people, uh, are so different. Like, it doesn't matter what happens to you. You're just always happy. It's just always okay. Like even when things aren't okay, you're always okay. And I was like, yeah, you're right. And, you know, so we talked for a long time. I got to share our story of adopting Malachi. And, you know, just that kind of stuff just blew him away. And then he's like, yeah, my wife wants me to go to church somewhere. (laughs) It's like, yeah, I bet she does. And uh, uh, so we had a good laugh about that. And I invited him to Easter. And so pray with me that uh, Darren will come to Easter. That he will not just see the fruit of his labor, which that was one of my selling points. Like, dude, you built this. You built this. Come enjoy it one Sunday. You know, I'm just using anything the Spirit gave me. And, uh, but you know, Darren, his wife, and they have, a, they have one kid. What if all three of them met Jesus in two weeks from today, right here? That, that's, that's why we do what we do. And... Um, so let me just encourage you to be a part of the normal scenarios that God puts you in. He's putting people in your path. One of the best and boldest prayers you can pray is, Lord, show me who you want me to witness to today. And they will be there. We, you and I have had those conversations, many of you. So Psalm 99. Let's jump in. You know, many of the Psalms are written as not just worship songs, but to teach you who God is and how to respond to Him. Uh, you know, we get the picture in Isaiah when he is ushered into the presence of God. And uh, what does he say? He says, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. And in Israel at that time, he would have probably had the least dirty mouth. And yet... Being in his presence evoked a response of holy worship before God. And so the Psalms do that for us too. The Psalms give us teaching about who God is, but then also how we respond to that. 
What does it look like for me to be in the presence of God, because you are right now, be taught about God, how do I respond to that? There are appropriate ways to respond to that depending on the characteristics of God. So in His holiness and His justice, there is what the Bible calls the fear of God. And now I've heard that tried to be explained away as reverence, respect. Um, Let me just put it to you how the New Testament puts it, okay? Uh, You should live in fear of the one who uh, can burn with fire. A living God. Not just the one who can take your life here. I'm paraphrasing. But there is a real aspect of fear because He is a holy, righteous, just God. Now, where that breaks down for you and me is we just go, oh, how could God be like that? Because we're not like that, right? Like when we get angry, uh, it's not 100% balanced with perfect love, right? So God's character of holiness and justice uh, is never divorced from God is love. The shepherd knows his sheep and lays his life down for them. Those two things are never separated. Yet, for those who don't know Christ, only one of those is going to be an eternal reality. And so, as we come to Psalm 99, I want you to pay attention to uh, those characteristics of God. What is the writer, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, teaching you about God, and how you ought to respond to it. Okay, so let's dive in and read this, and then we'll unpack it just for a couple minutes. Here's what the Bible says in Psalm 99, verse 1. The Lord reigns. Who reigns? Talk to me. The Lord. Okay? Let the people, what? This is participation. Let the people, what? Tremble. Tremble. He is enthroned between the cherubim. Let the earth quake. The Lord is great in Zion. He is exalted above all the peoples. Let them praise your great and awe-inspiring name. He is holy. The mighty king loves justice. So notice, you're getting who God is and now how he is. The mighty king loves justice. You have established fairness. You have administered justice and righteousness in Jacob. Exalt the Lord our God. Bow in worship at his footstool. He is holy. Moses and Aaron were among his priests. Samuel also was among those calling on his name. They called to the Lord and he answered them. He spoke to them in a pillar of cloud. They kept his decrees and the statutes he gave them. Lord our God, you answered them. You were a forgiving God to them. But... 
an avenger of their sinful actions. Exalt the Lord our God. Bow in worship at His holy mountain. For the Lord our God is holy. Anytime the Bible repeats something three times, we should pay attention to it, right? So, as each teaching unfolds, it is capped with this idea, this truth that God is holy. What is holiness? What does it mean for God to be holy? It means that God is altogether different from you. That God is altogether, what's the scripture say, above you. That God is Lord. That He is awe-inspiring. And then it gives you the phrase that we're to worship at His footstool. This is instructive for us. Because we tend to just lean towards the loving character of God. Because it's gentler. But what I want to show you today is that it's actually good news that He is also the God of justice. That He is awe-inspiring and good. And so let's just, let's just walk through this briefly, unpacking it a little bit at a time. So it says, the Lord reigns. What, what does reigning have to do with? It has to do with authority, being in charge. Let's just put it this way. He's the boss. Here's the problem with that, though. That's so hard for us. Just think about your life in general. When something goes wrong, what's your knee-jerk reaction? To spring into action and fix it, right? To fight for me. (laughs) And I'm so guilty of that. I I was so convicted by that yesterday. Just thinking through this text, just what if my response was informed in the fact that I actually control nothing and that the all-powerful God of the universe was in complete control, no surprises, had a plan. That would take all the anxiety out of it, wouldn't it? But we don't live that way. Is that what your week looked like? Some of you I know are, are pretty good at this. And I admire you for that. Uh, the Kuhn family's still working on that. <laughs> we like to get things done. We things to be going in order. All right? But God doesn't share His glory, does He? If we can do everything on our own, do we have a need for God? Are we sitting at His footstool if we solve all of our problems? Sometimes the problems in your life are because God puts them there because He wants to remind you that He's in charge. But the Bible does say that those whom the Lord loves, He chastens. Because when you love your kids, you discipline them. It wouldn't actually be loving to just let them run wild. That would be what the Bible calls stupid. I have a Bible verse for that in Proverbs. Don't you laugh too hard. <laughs> so what, what does that do to us? When, when the Bible teaches us that the Lord reigns, that He's the King, 
that he's in charge, that nothing is outside of his jurisdiction. What does that do to us? It's instructive for us because what does it say? The Lord reigns, let the people tremble. That's critically important for us. And there's a reason why it's critically important for us. Because we tremble at very little. When was the last time that you, in communicating with God, trembled at the fact that with, the, with a word, you could be nothing? The, the people who lived in this time when you talked about kingship would have understood that a lot differently than you and I do. It wasn't like a president where you would get a fair trial and due process and you could appeal that multiple times, take it all the way to the Supreme Court and then get a final verdict. It's not, it wasn't like that in their world. In their world, if you were brought before the king, likely trying to figure out what to do and Mordecai gives her godly advice and says, you have been chosen for such a time as this. God picked you to intercede for the people and he will go with you. And there was that moment of pause because she knew if the scepter goes down, I'm dead. This is the picture that the people would have as they sang this song to God. We recognize that when we step into the presence of God, had it not been for Christ on the cross, it is finished, the scepter would come down and you would be nothing. But as Jesus hung on that cross with you in mind and said, it is finished, forgive the people for they know not what they do. Everything was different. But it's good for us to tremble. It's good for us to bow. It goes on, it says, it gives us another picture of what that looks like. He is enthroned between the cherubim. Let the earth quake. Sometimes natural disasters ought to remind us that the Lord reigns. That He's not bound by the things we're bound by. Why do bad things happen to good people? Wrong question. Why do good things happen to bad people? Because bad people are all that there are. There's a shift in thinking when we begin to see God for who God is, not for who we want Him to be. When we start to look at Scripture and say, Who are you? And see, the, the other reason that's important is because then, it, then when we get to Easter, it becomes that much more precious. That as Jesus took that journey to the cross for you, it meant so much more than we often give it credit for. He's enthroned. He's all-powerful. He's glorious. The Lord is great in Zion, verse 2. He's exalted above all the people. You see, this is good news, right? What if Jesus was like you? Well, there's some people you don't like. There's some people I don't like. And I'm a professional Christian. 
right? Like, I'm, I'm not even like you. Like, I, I'm a pro. And I still get annoyed. I probably annoy you sometimes. Isn't it good news that God is better than everybody else? Amen. There's actually rest there that the Lord reigns. There's peace there that somebody altogether holy, altogether set apart, altogether different is ruling and reigning. Not somebody like you or me. I think our country over the past few years has demonstrated why that is important, that God would be altogether exalted, altogether higher than all the people on the earth. Because we are so sinful and fall so short. And so then, as a result of that, what do we do? As we tremble, what does that evoke in us? Look at verse 3. So God's above all the people. Let them praise your great and awe-inspiring name. He is holy. The response in this instance is to sing and praise. This is a song, by the way, that as we gather as the church, as they gathered as the nation of Israel, and they began to sing about the strength and holiness and justice of God, that they couldn't help but praise. Why do we praise God? Because He's holy. First and foremost, because He's holy, because He's altogether different, because He's altogether higher, He's altogether better. He's God. And that's good news. It's good news. So then, who is He? We recognize that He's all-powerful. We recognize that He is strong. But who is He? What does this almighty all-powerful God care about. We get a picture of that. Look what it says. The mighty king. So now we've established who he is. The mighty king loves justice. You have established fairness. You have administered justice and righteousness in Jacob. This is the character of God. That there's good news in the fact that even when you can't see what God's doing, God is doing what is right at all times. That He's doing what is good at all times. This is why it's important to have a right view of God because some of the things that happen in your life, you can start to get down on yourself. I start to get down on myself and, and we lose perspective of who God is and we start to elevate who I am. And when I start to elevate who I am, I stop seeing what God's doing through my circumstances and I start seeing only my circumstances. And so they had to come together and sing, just like we do, about the fact that God is altogether different and in control, that He loves justice. See, because through the week we start to forget that God loves justice. Through the week we, forget, we start to forget that God administers fairness. And yet, He does. We tend to 
lean in on just the time that is present. That's why it's important to remember what God has done in your life in the past as you move forward into the future. Because as he was faithful then, he will be faithful now and he will be faithful in the future. It's helpful to think of it this way. Sometimes when you're talking with the Lord, he always answers, but sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes the answer is yes, but sometimes the answer is wait. Look at the life of Job. If you're new to the Bible, it's not Job. Look at Job. God took everything from him and he had done nothing wrong. And then he just made him wait. And then Job was like, "Uh, excuse me, (laughs) excuse me, (laughs) why'd you do that? And God just comes after him. Who do you think you are? And sometimes we need that. Sometimes in our circumstances, we just need a reminder that God is altogether different. And then again, what do we do when we begin to see God for who he is and God for how he acts, his character? Look at the end of verse, look at verse 5 there. It says, exalt the Lord our God, bow and worship at his footstool, he is holy. That's our response. Our response is always worship always worship, even when it hurts. We worship when it's great. We worship when it's hard. We worship when it hurts because we know that God is good. You see, sometimes God blesses you with prosperity, but He doesn't always bless you with prosperity. See, He came back around to Job and gave him more than he had before. But I think Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego got it right when they said, that's the perspective that we need. And then we get a case study. This is great, because if anybody was, if anybody was messed up like we are, it was Moses and Aaron. <laughs> Why did they choose Moses and Aaron for this, for this song? See, Moses and Aaron get a lot of credit for doing some great stuff in the Bible. Uh, they're also remembered for how terrible they were. <laughs> You know, it's like, it's like uh, you know, being Judas. <laughs> let, let, think about this. Moses and Aaron were among his priests. Samuel was also among those calling his name. Why is it important for us to identify with Moses and Aaron? Let's just start with Aaron. Moses goes up the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments. Comes down glowing from the glory of God. Awesome. You want to talk about a worship experience. <laughs> and that was just from seeing God's back. What does he do though? He comes back down the mountain. He's literally glowing with the presence of God. And what has Aaron been doing? Whew, Moses, he's taking a long time, man. These people are complaining. These people are annoying. And he builds an altar. He builds an idol. Here's Moses up on the mountain literally meeting with God. (laughs) And here's Aaron down here building an idol. We look at that and we go, what an idiot. But what do we do every week? 
That's you and me. We're Aaron in that story. God is right here. What is this saying? Worship at His holy mountain. God is right there. You can see Him all around you. And yet, what do we do? We sacrifice that and we play with our idols. We play with our idols. We play with our work. We play with our families. We play with our spouses. We play with our, you know, you, you fill it in for you. You know what it is. Forgetting that the gifts that God has given you cannot be God. These will always let you down because they were never intended to do what only God can do. This is an important... Let's talk about Moses. God used Moses to do incredible stuff. Let's identify with Moses for a second. He's walking around. He's pretty rich. Things are going well for him. Might take over the country someday. Things are going really well for him. See somebody beating up an Israelite. Goes over there and kills him. You might not go that far, but it's at least crossed your mind. <laughs> that person... If I could only... You know, we've had those moments. Moses and Aaron, they're us. They're us. Those, those, those pictures are for you and me. And then Samuel. You remember when Samuel was called the first time by God into his service? He comes... God is speaking to you. You know, that's our story too, isn't it? God speaks to us and speaks to us and speaks to us and finally, we recognize it. Here am I, Lord. Right? The, 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 this, is, this is why they were singing that because this is what we live. This is the space that you and I live in. Look at the beauty of this. He spoke to them in a pillar of cloud. He kept his decrees and statutes. He gave them. Then more of the character of God. Lord our God, you answered them. You were a forgiving God to them, but an avenger of their sinful actions. It's important too. They would sing about the fact that God was great at forgiveness, but also that he was an avenger of their sins. This was their worship song. They were recognizing that in God's providence it was actually good that he avenged their sin. Because if he left them to wallow in their sin, where would that take them? Farther away from him. And then verse 9 is just a picture of our life. When we meet Christ and are found in him, here's your life. Exalt the Lord your God. You know, don't have authority issues. You get under, you get under God, and He'll put you over what He's called you to be over. You get that out of balance, and it's a problem. Exalt the Lord our God. Bow in worship at His holy mountain, for the Lord our God is holy. That's it. That's your life. If we get those out of order, if we exalt us and not God, we have problems. Exalt God, 
Humble yourself. That's the picture there. Exalt God. Bow. Humble yourself at his holy mountain, for the Lord our God is holy. And then Jake preached about Psalm 100, which was next. It says, let the whole earth shout triumphantly to God. Why can we do that? Because in all of that, he has been so good. Amen. He has been so good. Regardless of your circumstances, God is good. So here's what I want to do. The band's going to come up. They're going to they're gonna play. And let's just practice what Scripture has laid out for us. Let's exalt Him. Humble ourselves and worship at his footstool with a proper perspective.